Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim, and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. It's back to school, and for the next month, we'll be looking at educational shows and TV shows and cartoons primarily set in the classroom or the school playground. This week, we're looking back at some cartoons with a real educational feel as we talk Cyberchase and the Magic Key. And if you grew up in the UK at a certain point, there's every chance in the world that you've read this classic, iconic book. And we take a special look at the Magic School Bus, the school bus that took you on a wild ride that ended up teaching you a lot about science, maths, bees, and everything in between. So, let's get started. And joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I'm alright, thanks, I'm alright, thanks, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's been a busy but good week. Yeah, I think I think things are starting to slow down a bit now that it's coming into September. Mm. But obviously still very, very busy. And as I was saying last week, September does mean, in the UK anyway, back to school. So yeah, for the next month or so, we're going to be looking at and talking at some shows that has the real educational feel set in a classroom and, and, and all of those things. And yeah, I think the one thing, one other thing I'll say about back to school was I could never fall asleep on the the day before school or the night before school. I'm, I think I'm the same every Sunday day before I have to go back to work again. No, I can't sleep. Most of those days it's fine, but it was always the, the day before school, that particular day. I could never, ever sleep. I would probably go to school on my first day with like three hours of sleep, tops. was nerves. I don't know if that was trepidation or angst or excitement or I don't know what it was. But yeah, for, for, for whatever reason. Probably a bit of everything because six weeks is quite long, isn't it? All the kids get really bored. Well, yeah. Cause, and it's one of those things where after the six weeks, you kind of do... Want to go back to school a little bit because you're like, I don't know, you've done everything now. It's been long. You just kind of want to get back into it. But yeah, for that, for some reason, I just could not sleep. And yeah, that's just one memory I'll, uh, I remember from, uh, from, 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 from school days. But um, yeah, and if there's any more that I can think of next week, then uh, I will probably say so. <laughs> but uh Right, let's let's get right into it now, and we're going to start with the special, the Magic School Bus, and this uh, came out in September, nineteen ninety four. There you go, September making a, an epic comeback this week, fighting against the 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 the, the January wave or the January tide. But no, September <laughs> nineteen ninety four. Once again, we meet again, and some of the things happening in the world. Russia and the People's Republic of China agreed to de-target their nuclear weapons against each other. The 1994 World Series is officially cancelled due to the ongoing work stoppage. It is the first time a World Series will not be played since 1904. Britain lifts the broadcasting ban imposed on Sinn Féin and paramilitary groups from Northern Ireland. Time Cop was in the cinemas. And Unbearable by The Wonder Stuff in the charts the magic school bus so this was a american children's tv series based on the book series of the same name by joanna cole and bruce dagan 
and the series received critical acclaim for its use of celebrity voice talent and combining entertainment with an educational series. So it's all about Miss Frizzle embarking on adventures with her class on the eponymous school bus. And as they journey on their exciting field trips, they discover locations, creatures, time periods, and more to learn about the wonders of science along the way. The first media in which this franchise was developed was the Magic School Bus series. Craig Walker, Vice President and Senior Editorial Director at Scholastic Co. stated that the concept began with the idea of combining science with fictional stories and Joanna Cole, who had written both science and humour before, and Bruce Dagan were then approached with creating such a series. Walker also states that his own memories of school field trips and of a teacher he had once served as further inspiration. The first book, At the Waterworks, was written in 1984 and published in 1985. The books are written in the first person from the point of view of an unnamed student in The Frizz is Class. Cole and Dagan started a new series called Miss Frizzle's Adventures in 2001, and it teaches social studies, eventually producing three books in that series. And Microsoft Home began publishing Magic School Bus software in 1994, the same year as the Magic School Bus concept was also adapted into an animated TV series of the same name by Scholastic Entertainment. Scholastic Entertainment's president, Deborah Forte, says that Adapting the book into an animated series was an opportunity to help kids learn about science in a fun way. And around that time, Forte had been hearing concerns from parents and teachers about how to improve science education for girls and minorities. Yes, facts, facts. Science, I, I couldn't vibe with science at school. It was like my worst subject by a mile. I, I, I didn't mind it. But it, science is amazing, right? So, like, the figuring out of stuff, how stuff works, what stuff does, and then they ruin it. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But, like, from a young age, I just don't know what it was about science. I just couldn't. I couldn't get right. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know what it is. I don't know if my, if my brain just wasn't with it when it came to science, but... Everything to do with science is that my brain was just like, choo, just yeah. switched off. I think we had, so in years seven to nine, we had really good teachers. Like we had, I think I had three really good teachers in science. Then from 10 till 10, 11, we had just a worse teacher in for um, specifically for biology. And it, she, honestly, the, she just used to, open a page in his textbook and then be like, yeah, if you just uh, fill in the questions and do the remember box or whatever it was called. And that was all we had to do in science was just copy and write these answers in a book. It was so boring. No, because, yeah, obviously, um, year 10, year 11, what they used to do is that they would divide each terms. So, like, one term would do biology, one term would do chemistry, one term would do physics. And I was obviously for a GCSE. I don't know how I got away with two C's, though. That has to be the biggest fluke job in the world. I got two, three D's. Three, science, chemistry, physics, and biology, all, all no, D's. What they did was, our science was worth two GCSEs. And I don't know how I was allowed to do the higher paper. I think one of the teachers was like, yeah, do you want to do the higher paper? And I'm like, uh, 
If you think I should. It's like, yeah, I did the high paper, and then, yeah, somehow, fluke to C. Which I think might have been the minimum grade, anyway. So you can imagine if I did the uh, foundation paper, where I would have gotten. Perish the thought, but uh, I, I somehow fluke to C. And I remember going to the teacher, and I was like, I'm sorry, miss, I only got a C. And she was like, I'm really proud of you, don't say that. And I'm like, okay, if you're really proud of me, but yeah, science was just not for me, Clive, not for me. <laughs> and as noted by Marcel La Follette, accomplished women were exceptions in a universe of male luminaries when it came to science television. Miss Valerie Frizzle, the magic school teacher, was the closest approximation to an expert female host, and she was voiced by Lily Tomlin in the series. Scholastic Entertainment, the American Meteorological Society and the Children's Museum of Houston created a Scholastic The Magic School Bus Kicks Up a Storm, which is a 2,600 square foot or 240 meters squared traveling exhibit funded in part by the National Science Foundation, which premiered at the Children's Museum of Houston in 2003. And in 2017, Scholastic and Netflix released the reboot animated series, The Magic School Bus Rides Again, with Kate McKinnon as the voice of Miss Frizzle's sister, Fiona Felicity Frizzle, who is now in charge of the class. Lily Tomlin also reprises her role as Miss Frizzle, but now she's Professor Frizzle, PhD. And some of the characters, you had Miss Frizzle, Arnold Perlstein, Carlos Ramon, Dorothy Ann Hudson, Keisha Franklin, Phoebe Therese, Rafi Tanelli, Tim Wright, and Wanda Lee. So, the Magic School Bus. I'd never heard of this show. It was a bit of a um introduction. I, I think it was quite well paced though. I think it was quite well paced and interesting things to learn about. I think it was kind of decent enough content for the kids to be learning as well as entertained. Yeah, I mean, I had heard of the Magic School Bus. I think I may have even seen it, but I've never really, can't remember watching it. It is quite a big, iconic show. So, again, it does surprise me that you hadn't heard of it. Was it ever aired here? I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was aired here. I'm sure it was. Like I said, I I, I remember, like, seeing it on my TV as a kid, but I don't remember actually watching it. And, you know, often we've complained about cartoons being too long. The runtime being too long. This didn't apply for this. I actually thought this was really good. I really liked the show. Because it was what, 25 minutes, 26 minutes? Yeah, yeah. And and it was like, but it was kind of, it kept the pace. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, there wasn't just, there wasn't tons of dialogue. It was just kind of like, we're going to the next bit, now the next bit, now the next bit. And, you know, kind of like chucking the odd fact here and there on the way through. I thought it was kind of pretty well paced. Yeah, yeah, this was this was a very well-paced show. I wasn't clock-watching at all. I learned so much about, the, obviously, the episodes that I watched and the things that are kind of happening. So I learned, I learned a great, great deal. And, yeah, like I said, I, I actually thought this was fantastic. And if I didn't watch it as a kid, or if I don't remember watching it as a kid, then uh, I'm ruining it because I would have sat down, enjoyed this, I did like the cast were diverse. 
I, I, yeah, I agreed. very much appreciate that in, in all of the shows, actually, that we're going to do today. All of the shows were very, very diverse. I, I appreciate that a lot. And even I think the voice characters. So I think um, someone of um, an Asian background did Wanda Lee's voice. Carlos, I think a Hispanic person did their um, character. So it was it was correspondent. It wasn't just a, a white guy doing all of their voices and trying to yeah do like weird accents and like that. It was it was people who were kind of corresponded to their um, nationality, na- not nationality, but like their ethnicity and their their kind of group. And it was like done in that sense, done really really well. And honestly, I I learned so much. I didn't realize even you know all all shows today were like really educational in their own yeah. i think that's what you know the the all three all three of them were educational shows right with like a cartoon facade yeah i think i think i think i think they fulfilled the remit really really well yeah and i think there's a reason why you would you know build a museum dedicated to the magic school bus and have like reruns that are on netflix i believe but i'm not sure if it's on netflix in this country I do believe Magic School Bus was on Netflix, but just yeah, not 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 in the not in the UK, but it was all on YouTube, so um it wasn't wasn't any great difficulty finding it. But no, let's 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 jump right into it and let's talk about uh episodes. Uh right, cool. So I watched two episodes. One was called The Magic School Bus Gets Lost in Sp- or was it yeah, Lost, Lost in, in Space. Space. That was yeah. the, the pilot. I really like this episode yeah. and no. I think the one thing about science that I did vibe with was the solar system. I love the solar system. Okay, so they're doing it. So the kids, oh, hang on, so I wrote some names down. So Phoebe, Talfie, Janet, Arnold, Keisha. Alfie, obviously. Ralph, Ralphie, Ralphie. Was it oh, Alfie Ralph, or Ralphie? Yeah. There is a there is a an Arnold and there is a Ralph, yeah. Yeah, so Phoebe, Ralph, Janet, Arnold, and Keisha are doing a project on the solar system. Janet's kind of a smarty pants, should we say? And she says that there's no other life on. But Janet says there's no other life on other planets. Mrs. What's her name again? Frizzle. Mrs. Frizzle is a teacher who comes in and she says, Right, kids, it's field trip time. And I was like, Where are the consent forms? But actually, they did mention that in, the, uh, in another episode. So um, they go to the normal planetarium, but it's closed, so they have to go back to school. And then Janet says, My teacher. Basically, my teacher this, my teacher that, my teacher wouldn't have done that, my teacher was better than that. And Arnold said, look, shut your mouth, there's no one better than Mrs. Frizzle, all right? Not in this rude way, but, you know, sort of like that. Um, So the bus turns into a rocket and they go to space. Uh, They go to the sun uh, and there's over a million Earths that can fit into the sun. Then they go to the Mer- then they go to Mercury, where there's less gravity. And Janice wants to prove that she went to all these places, so she keeps digging up stuff. So she bigs up. Um, she digs up some rocks and she digs a meteorite up from the surface of Mercury. Then they go to Venus. It's cloudy, but there's the same gravity on Earth, but it's acid rain. Janet gets another rock. So now they pass through the Earth's orbit where it's a perfect temperature. Now they're going to Mars. Arnold and Janet pick up some ice blocks and dust. They think it's an alien, but Arnold's just coming with a big thing around his neck. Uh, the bus is kind of struggling with the weight at this point. Now they go to an asteroid belt, which separates the outer and inner planets. I didn't even know that was a thing. An asteroid hits the bus. The computer goes wrong. Uh, Mrs. Griswold goes to fix it. Janet lassoes an asteroid. And then it kind of 
hits the bus and Mrs. Griswold goes away on a jetpack. She's now on an outer planet and now Janet has to navigate the uh, the bus and they have to go and find her. So the next planet they go to is Jupiter. She wants some of the red spot on Jupiter, which is a big storm. Then they go to Saturn, then they go to Uranus, on to Neptune, and Janet wants to stop um, because of her favorite planet. Uh, they don't stop, but now they go to Pluto where they find a teacher. Um, and Pluto is obviously the smallest. It's now got downgraded to a dwarf planet since this was broadcast. But um, Janet got proof, but the bus is too heavy. Uh, Janet says she won't come back without her stuff. But then Arnold says, look, this is what happens if you will stay here. He takes his helmet off and freezes. So then they rush back to Earth without the stuff. Um, she says it's the best field trip. I don't care if anyone believes me or not. Um, then someone complains about the litter on Pluto. The magic school bus complaining about science and mistakes oh yeah so basically someone calls up and starts complaining about the mistakes and stuff like that about this uh, with the science and the um uh and the things wrong with the episode which i thought was quite funny and quite self-aware i made so much notes in this episode like i learned so much about all the different planets for example what did i learn um yeah so earth is the only planet that supports life venus has clouds like earth but there's like no real gravity so they just like fell onto the floor when they arrived at Venus. There was like sulfuric acid rain. And obviously I'd made a point that Janet wanted to collect everything from every planet to prove that she was there. Jupiter, yeah, the red spots from Jupiter. Yeah, so Pluto was dark and cold and that's how they figured out that's where Miss Frizzle was because it's like the, the, the darkest and the coldest planet. And yeah, I did like how, you know, initially I did thought it was a bit annoying where they would call up and be like, oh, okay, what's, 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 what's wrong with this show and all the things that's wrong. But I, I, I ended up liking it in the end. I like how they were saying, oh, it's not a straight line. So obviously talking about how they were tracking all the planet. Yeah. Is there a line like once every bazillion years or something? Yeah. So it's, it's not even a, a real thing. And didn't that happen just recently? I think the planets aligned just recently, I think. Did they really? I'm sure they did. I don't know what episode, what season this was, but it was called Magic School Bus in the Haunted House. They're all in music class and they're playing like kind of the William Tell music. Carlos ruined it because he has this um, instrument that looks good, but it sounds rubbish. Then Mrs. Frizzle comes in. Carlos is, has a good idea for a sound, but he can't replicate it. If you keep asking questions, you all, you'll get more answers. That's what the... Um, uh, advice was Carlos wishes he had more time the bus goes mad then breaks and they end up in a spooky woods they push the bus and the kids getting scared and it's kind of like in this uh, spooky wood kind of thing Carlos still trying to to find a sound but they come across a haunted house and there's weird sounds com coming from it the teacher says let's check it out there's like crows thunder ghost noises wolves owls squeaks and bells the kids get scared but Carlos goes in to find a sound for his machine. Books open and make sounds. Uh, Ralphie runs off. Professor Cornelius something or something or other or something collects sounds and she went missing. Now her house is where they are and it's a sound museum. So no one's no one knows what happened to her. Carlos thinks she, uh, thinks she was seeking the perfect sound. Uh, then they find a secret dormitory. There's a ghost noise. The kids get scared, but Carlos goes to find out what it is. They all follow him. They find a little room. It's a jungle room or a kind of like a film set place mrs frizzle's there too doing echoes um then they go in a ski lift out of the room and into a music room and now they're learning how sounds are made out of vibrations and they find another room it's a theater and they put on goggles to see sound and they can see the vibrations hitting things um low vibrations are 
sorry, low sounds are slow vibrations and high sounds are fast vibrations. Carlos gets it and goes back to get instrument, but it's gone. He goes into the into the closet, but it's a trap door and ends up in a dungeon. Uh, and he's finding the location of the sounds and sees the sounds bouncing off the stuff. So he follows the sound waves. It, they find Professor Cornelius something or other the second, who is the lady who owns the house's granddaughter. And then Carlos takes the stuff, all the junk off his instrument, and now um, it can play well. And it cuts to the concert that they were practicing for at the beginning. It's a good instrument now and it has a perfect sound. Um, then he donates his uh, instrument to the museum. Then there's a sound person on the phone ask, uh, answering some questions. And it explains the, the process of hearing. And there's no such thing as ghosts, but the person on the phone is actually a ghost. Season three. And this was the magic school bus in the rainforest. So it's Earth Day. And the kids ordered a surprise present for Miss Frizzle. Yeah, so they, they get her a cocoa bean tree in the Amazon rainforest. And it's it's well, obviously it's good because it's it's used to make chocolate and tim is basically struggling with his homework about what does earth day mean to you they get like the first shipment from the cocoa tree and it's like one little bean and obviously they're like what the hell's going on so they head off to the rainforest to see what's happening with the cocoa beans and so dorothy ann and She's was basically like, right, I'm going to be the investigator. I'm going to be the one to figure out what's going on. Tim is her partner. And so they all set off to look for Miss Frizzle's tree. And they all find Miss Frizzle's tree, but they end up getting trapped. Carlos is like, well, I guess the case is wrapped up. <laughs> and then they come across someone called Inspector 47. And he's basically the authority in the rainforest. And... All the pods have gone missing in all of the trees. And so they're figuring out how to get the the, the pods going again because they're all basically empty and there's basically nobody there to sort of pollinate. And so they find out that the hummingbird was the one that pollinates and travels from pod to pod. And they're wondering that they're trying to find what insects could be the one to pollinate cocoa trees. I didn't, I didn't even know that insects could pollinate. Yeah, I like bees and stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I know... Is be an insect? Yeah, it's got six legs. Oh God, this is not a clever moment for me. But uh, I don't know. I, I, when I think of insect, I'm thinking of like bugs and things like that. Yeah, isn't an insect defined by anything with six legs, right? Anything else is something slightly different. So like uh, a spider's an arachnid. I only learned that from the office. To be perfectly honest with you, mollusk is it a, like a slug or a? Worm? I don't know, man. You're just making up these words. They're figuring out that midge flies are the ones who pollinate and they need to find midge flies for the empty empty trees and pods. And they realize that mud wallows is the perfect place for midge flies. But there was like these peccaries who used to like hang around in the mud wallows. And obviously the midge flies used to like live off these peccaries. And I think peccaries is basically like a a hog of some sort or like a, a boar, a wild boar of some sort. Or that's what... At least they look like to me. And Inspector 47 was responsible for chasing away the peccaries and causing a stampede because he was like, get away from here, you peccaries and whatever. And we know that the midflies, they need the mud wallows to live and breed. And peccaries love the mud wallows. And Inspector 47, he covered the ground with artificial turf to get rid of the peccaries. And we learn about the web of life. So everyone and everything is part of it all. 
and that's how Tim figures out what Earth Day means to him. And so Inspector 47 gets rid of the turf and the mud wallows are back. And now that the mud wallows are back, the midge flies are in their habitat and they are in and around so that they could uh, pollinate. And now that they pollinate, the pods are full. And now that the pods are full, the next cocoa shipment has lots of cocoa. And the inspector ends up getting a promotion. And then they obviously, someone's calling about the producer and asking him about the show and what happens and so on and so forth. The magic school bus in a beehive. Again, another really, really good educational episode. Tim and Wanda are delivering honey because his granddad, it's like his granddad's business and it's winter's almost coming and everyone's stocking up. They encounter a bee who basically knocks them off and all the honey spills. And Tim is like, right, we need to go take the bus. We need to go to a bee farm to salvage the honey. Phoebe is against it because she's like, bees make honey for themselves. And obviously Tim's like, what are you talking about? Bees make honey for the people so that we can take it. It's the last day before winter, so they need to get a move on. Common theme of this show was that Arnold hated the field trips. It always starts with him going, oh dear, not another field trip. And they're off to a field. They find a bee, so they end up following it. The magic school bus turns to a bee. They find the hive. Wanda's looking inside, and they have to look and smell like bees. They all turn into bees, and they realize that all the worker bees are women, and they're sharing food with one another. They put the nectar in the cells, and the bees stir the nectar, and it becomes thicker. And then it, comes, and then it turns into honey. So the kids realize that they have to make their own honey now, now that they know the process. And they have to find the flowers of nectar quickly before the winter. Jack Frost don't wait for no man and he's on the way. They can't find nectar because the bees have taken it all. So they go find some golden rod with plenty of nectar. They're filling up with nectar and they're heading back to the hive but they haven't got enough. So they have to go back but they run into a bear who basically destroys the hive and takes the honey. And so obviously now the, 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 the bees don't have honey because the bears eat it all. And so the kids want to help the bees get more nectar. So Miss Frizzy, Miss Frizz finds a way to communicate with the bees. So they have like this certain type of like steps that you do with bees that you can kind of communicate with them. I think this is true. And so they end up going back to the golden rods and they're like stocking up with enough uh, sort of what are, what are they getting a nectar that's it they're getting enough nectar so that they can use that to make the honey and they make enough to save the hive and now they're making enough for tim so that he can take back to his grandpa and then obviously yeah so they go back into the real world and tim is making all the orders now for 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 the neighbors so the kids are asking the producer all about the the episode they're questioning if honey can be made in one day and if bees can communicate by dancing, and in the end there's a, a bad bee joke, what do you get if you cross a seagull and a bee? I don't know. A beagle. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. And I actually ended up watching a finale, which was called The Magic School Bus Takes a Dive. Also, I should say that the um, the episodes had a, a certain topic. So the first episode, obviously, was about the solar system. The second episode was about honeybees. And the next episode was about rainforest ecology. So 
Yeah, I think I got those orders wrong when I was making my notes, but it doesn't matter. And the last episode, yeah, the magic school bus takes a dive. And this episode was all about coral reefs. So it starts off with the kids. They're talking about coral reefs and creating their own for their tiny little aquarium and for their animals that they have. Miss Frizzle pops out of nowhere, or Miss Frizz pops out of nowhere and pulls out her great-granddad Redbeard's treasure map. And so that's the field trip that they go on the treasure on the on treasure hunt. And all the kids are partnering up to find the treasure chest. But Wanda wants to work alone. But Miss Frizzle saying that you have to work together. They're exploring the deep blue ocean, and they're turning into flowers and crabs so they can kind of adapt and fit into the sea. Crabs are trying to move before all the fishes come to eat. Crabs and flies have to stick together so they won't get eaten and they scare away the octopus because they have like um, prickly sides so that the, the, the octopus doesn't want to know. Then the bus turns them into pistol shrimps and they now know how to dig. And some of them are turned into goby fish so that they have to um, look, you have to look after each other and hide from the sharks. So each one is basically helping each other to survive. And now that the sharks and fishes are stuck to the sharks, so again, working together, DA and Wanda, or Dorothy Ann and Wanda, go inside a reef and they find the treasure chest. But it caves in because the coral reef is not particularly in great shape. And the reef falls off and the treasure is there with them. They then turn back into humans and Wanda realizes that today was all about partners and working together. They realize that the treasure chest is the one that's causing the pollution and it prevents the polyps and algae growing together to form the reef. They get rid and then the coral reef starts to blossom again. And the treasure chest contains a picture of Redbeard and a magic Spanish galleon, which is basically a toy that turns into anything really. And then the producer is getting questioned about animal partnerships. And so he says, look, animals are partners, but only when it benefits them. Because most of the time, it's competition. Survival of the fittest and, and all of that. Like the birds that eat the crocodiles um, stuff in their mouth. Yeah. And coral reefs can be alive and they can get sick because of pollution and human activity. And as a kind of like an ode to the finale, the producer builds a sandcastle in the image of the magic school bus, which I thought was a very nice touch. And that was the end of that episode. It was a pretty good educational cartoon, I have to say. Very well paced, decent facts, stuff that even now we'd be like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, and it's half an hour long, but it didn't feel like it, which is like almost unheard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be the common theme for today. It's like, you can, I'm not saying don't do 20, 25 minute shows, but make it good, make it interesting, make it suspenseful and all of those things. And I promise you, we won't complain. But obviously, if it's boring and if it's dragging along, then maybe in post, you should cut some of it down and make it into a bite-sized show that kids can engage with and enjoy instead of making it too long. But I don't think this was the case with the Magic School Bus. I thought it was really, really good. I really liked it. And yeah, this was this was absolutely tremendous. Right, head-to-head time. So we're talking the magic key first. 
and the TV series came out in September 2000. And some of the things happening in the world. The world leaders attend the Millennium Summit at the UN headquarters. There's fuel protest that takes place in the United Kingdom with refineries blockaded and supplied to the country's network of petrol stations halted. That was so good because the petrol prices went like, plummeted after that. Well, I think they need to have another fuel protest after uh, topping up my car yesterday. Bloody hell. Do you know, I got caught out the other day. Um, I went to, because I normally go pay at Palm, Tesco's, wherever. Other supermarkets are available, yada, yada, yada. Um, went to get pay at Palm, shut. And it was like four in the morning. And I was like, okay, well, I'll have to go and um, fill up on my way to work. Then I had to go to one of those petrol, 24-hour petrol stations. 138 a litre. 138. That's right, Ryan, that is put... extortionate. Yeah, it, sh- it should really be a pound a litre. Yeah, you would have thought. I mean, I think I broke the 60 pounds mark for the first time in a while when I filled up my fuel tank. Oh, wow. HM Prison Maze, which is a prison that used to incarcerate members of illegal paramilitaries during the troubles in Northern Ireland, closes as a result of the Good Friday Agreement. Remember the Titans was in the cinemas. Fantastic. Denzel Washington film that I couldn't recommend enough. It's on my to watch list, I think. It's on Disney Plus. So yeah, I think it's literally on my ticked list. Go out of your way to watch that film. And Body Groove by Architect and Nene was in the charts. So this was like the height of garage music, kind of like taking over the Magic Key now. So the Magic Key is a series of books published for children as part of the Oxford Reading Tree from Oxford University Press. The books are written by Roderick Hunt, illustrated by Alex Breitcher, and primarily follow the lives of three children, Biff, Chip, and Kipper Robinson, and their parents, their grandma, and their friends, Wilf and Wilma Page, Nadim Shah, Anina Patel, and the Robinson's dog, Floppy. The series was first published in 1985 with a set of 30 stories, and there are now over 300. It is used by more than 80% of schools in the United Kingdom and has been translated into numerous languages in over 120 countries. The books are aimed at children aged 4 to 9 and could form part of an English language syllabus in line with the national curriculum designed to help children learn to speak and read standard English. And in the TV series, Floppy wears a collar around his neck with a golden key upon it. The key is magic, as the title suggests and seems to do strange things whenever one of the children asks a question and Floppy wishes for something. It starts to glow and transports the children, Floppy and sometimes their grandmother, through a vortex to other worlds, where they have an exciting adventure such as dealing with trolls in a cavern, being characters inside a computer game, or finding the fountain of youth, and when the adventure is done, they get a gift and the key glows and they all go home. In the books, the key is kept in a box which opens the door to a dollhouse and Floppy does not go on all of the adventures. As well as Biff, Chip and Kipper Robinson, four other children do also appear in the stories and occasionally find themselves in the adventure caused by the magic key. Oh, I'm just going to get started with this conversation right away. Let's let's talk about the magic key. So I have a really... Vivid memory. So when I was in reception, the first part of learning 
these books, which I don't think they were they were called the Magic Key right away, right? I'm sure they were just whatever. I think they found the Magic Key later in the books. So I'm sh- I'm sure of that. I don't, you know. But anyway, so we had to read off a sheet the names of the characters, and if we got them all right, then we got a milky button. And I, and I remember that one day I didn't get it wrong. I got one wrong and I didn't get it. I was gutted. <laughs> but yeah, that's just my first. I think that was my first memory. I must have been in reception for that. Yeah, um, no, because it's interesting for someone like me because obviously my mother tongue is not English, and obviously our parents were talking to me in Somali, so I never really had like English sort of going into schools and and whatever. So part of it, I mean, part of my English learning was TV. And so this was the, the the book as a kid that I was I was obsessed with. I think they said there was about eighty books. I think I might have read them all. Any kid that was around, grew up in the nineties, well, these books were all over it. These books, this this is like ask any nineties kid about these books, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you I how would, good they. I are. would love to know the twenty percent of schools who didn't use this book. I don't know any. I don't know anyone. I've never met any single person that's not heard of these books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, read the books. I think, you know, I do have a feeling, the same feeling as you, that the magic key came along a little bit later. I'm sure there was a book where they found the magic key. Then the magic key took them on adventures after the fact. But I'm sure it was just, first of all, it was literally like they went to the shops and... Yeah, it was just basic, normal stuff. And I remember Wilf and Wilma as well. Again, multicultural. I'm not sure I remember Anina and Nadim. No, I will from Wilma, one hundred percent. But I can, I can say probably with ninety nine percent, I'm ninety nine percent sure that that wasn't on the sheet that I had to read the names out of. Yeah, I think I think there might have been newer characters introduced later on. But yeah, Biff, 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 Chip, and Kipper. This was like my life when I was like pretty much. I would say up until year three, year four, this was yeah, this was my life. I think I no, no, tell a lie. I think once I went to junior school, I don't think I read it a great deal. I think it was one of those where it was sort of like year one and year two. This was the books. This is the books that I would always pick up. This is all the books I pick up. And you know what? It, it, it I don't think it's uh, wrong to say, but I think this kind of got me into reading. Definitely. This was kind of like what set the open the door for me to like read books because I thought, oh, these books are really, really cool. And I think I like reading. I like reading books. I like learning words and learning how to read and things like that. So this was like a, a, a real education in that um in that sense. Yeah, I mean I so I don't like reading that much. I don't I don't mind reading when I'm actually reading, but I don't like picking up a book and starting to read, if you see what I mean. But yeah, I think these books probably make up a large percentage of the books I've actually read. So <laughs> Definitely. And the TV series now. I don't think I ever watched this on TV. I'm almost certain I never watched this on TV. I only read the books. I knew it was a TV show much later on in life, but I don't remember ever watching it, even in Wet Play or you know those lessons where you got a TV well, it came out in 2000. I was, I was okay, in, so um, we were long I was in gone. high school by then. We were long was, gone, yeah. I was September 2000. I was starting year eight. 
We were long gone. So that was that's why I never watched it then. I knew it was a TV show now because I even started to watch it with my son previous to this episode. So, did he like it? No. It's he's got a thing. It's Tom and Jerry, Toy Story, Spot the Dog, and Pingu. That's it. That's the only things he'll watch. <laughs> like we had a choice when we were kids, eh? He's like, uh, "Do you want to watch cartoons? Uh, what what are the choices? Yes or no?" I did. I did hear of this being a, a cartoon back then, but then obviously I'm. I am what coming into my teens. I'm not going to sit down and watch CBBS unless I've got someone much younger than me watching. So it was one of those things where I was never going to watch it then. I don't want to say that this cartoon was a letdown, but yeah, I don't know. Like the books were very, very special to me. And seeing it on TV, I just, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It didn't suck, but it was one of those things where you're not the books. Yeah, see, I think it held up to the nostalgia. I think it was, it didn't lose its soul for me. I, I think it kept the essence of the books, which, which helped the show in, in my eyes. You know, like one of my biggest Harry Potter complaints was that the films are nothing like the books and it became more and more evident as every film went on that they were swaying further and further away from the books again look I, i'm not i'm not saying that this was bad i'm not saying that it it was a massive letdown but it was just one of those things where i just had a feeling in the back of my head that i just something i don't know maybe my childhood was not letting me vibe with this cartoon because it was like Biff and Chip and Kipper and the books held a very, very special place in my heart. It was very, very important and very special for me. So kind of seeing it in a different format kind of made me think like, uh, I don't know, man, like a little bit, but not, but not like to the point where I hated it because it was, it was very, very easy to watch. The theme song was cute. 10 minutes long. It was about, yeah, 10, 15 minutes long. So it wasn't, a great deal of of time it was it was easy to watch and yeah ultimately i do think the positives outweigh the the negatives so i guess that's the most important thing i I thought it was pretty good so let's get right into episodes and the first episode was hms sweet tooth yeah so i watched hms sweet tooth was the first one i watched and chip uh, so i got confused with the names a little bit here so you might have to excuse because Ow. I was getting like, um, because it, I, I could forget which ones. Biff were is with the girl. Them. Chip is the boy. It's yeah. no, but I think, Dude. I, but I, what, I, what I was getting confused <laughs> with, I wasn't sure, like, because Chip and because it was Chip and Wilma and Wilf and Biff, yeah, and I kept kept getting confused with who was paired with who. Um, anyway, How? there's two what... black kids and there's two white kids. How? <laughs> yeah, but I got confused. Anyway, look, I don't want to talk about that it. Is... <laughs> <laughs> That's the damnedest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so Chip and Wilma were digging for treasure and, it's, and the episode was it's important to know when to stop. Don't read your notes along with it because you see if it was. Then we're not. So the alarm clock um, when it tells you when to stop sleeping. The stop signs where you should tell you when to stop on the road. And a full stop, which is the real point of this lesson, uh, it tells you when to end the sentence. So there's a sign and it says, We ate it all up. There is no treasure. No- we ate it all up. There is no treasure. 
We ate it all up, full stop. There is no treasure, full stop. Um, so Wilma and Wilf. It's not Wilma and Wilf, is it? It's Yeah. It's Wilf and Biff. They basically go back to the house. Wilf and Biff, right. So, yeah, so this is where I did write it correctly later. So Biff and Wilf go get treasure because it's sweet. Floppy's chasing all the full stops around. Biff goes to get more sweets. Biff gets family-sized chocolate bar, but Will says to stop. Flopsy wishes it's wishes they would stop, and now they're on a pirate ship. Um, and they're not allowed to open the door, otherwise the smell of chocolate will attract them. They were on the, sorry, they were on the HMS Sweet, sweet tooth. tooth. Yeah, yeah. So, so sorry, I didn't mean pirate ship, I meant uh, the HMS Sweet Tooth. So when they open the, the door of the sweets place, the s- smell comes out because um, Biff can't, she doesn't know when to stop, right? So uh, the pirates come, and it's called, is it Captain Chocoblock? Pirates come aboard, they take over the ship and they throw the sailors overboard. So Biff and Wilf have to stop the pirates. Pirates catch a wheel. Floppy frees them by licking off the toffee that's tied up with. Then they get told to walk the plank, but Biff rescues them. Then the pirate ship sinks and they save the day. And then Biff owns up and says, I'm sorry, it's my fault I opened it. And he says, you can have all the sweets. It's bad anyway. And then the, the fruit is better. Then dad comes back. So they're back in the normal world now and dad comes back. Biff comes back with chocolate because dad was like, where the hell's my chocolate bar? Um, then there's full stops flying about and they have to find sentences to stop. And then there's like, the first one is I am fast, full stop. Then I am fast, full stop. And then I am fastest, full stop. And then there's like, oh, there's still one more. And then it says, is this the end? Question mark. And then, no, this, sorry, this is the end. Question, um, full stop. Boop. The end of the episode. Next episode I watched was episode 14 called Dragonland. And Wilma is talking about questions and Biff says Biff doesn't have time to ask Wilma a question or neither does Chip. And it's what, why is Wilma late? So they're going to Nadine's and Floppy asks, um, is asking where is my bone? And then he says, is this my bone? No, it's a stone. No, it's a phone. No, it's a saxophone. Then all the kids are playing a game. They have to ask a question to get the next question. It's like a computer game. And then Wilma uh, didn't ask a question because you already knew the answer but that's not the game so they keep losing the levels and Nadine and Wilma playing on a computer the rest of the kids go outside Floppy wishes um, Wilma would let him out would ask him if he wanted to go outside um, and whenever Floppy wishes something they end up in a different world they go in, end up in the land of mud they see dragons in a swamp and if the dragons win the kids will replace them in the game uh, then the dragons are winning because Wilma keeps saying stuff and not asking any question they keep going down a level then they get to the end and then Wilma asks, is there a way out behind the waterfall? And the Dean says a mermaid will help us find a way out. Then they ask, is there a way to skip the levels? And they go to the treasure with the dragons and a big dragon comes out and says, uh, whoever asks the question first will win. And Wilma says, what do we have to do to get the treasure? Then that makes them win the game. Then all the kids are playing the question game in the garden and Kipper's not asking because he's hungry. Uh, and then the question at the end is, is this the end of the episode? question mark so the first one was about full stops the next one was about question marks both pretty good episodes to be honest so i watched an episode called nadim's machine so this is all about instructions so will's uncle sends him a robot and nadim wants to put it together nadim doesn't wait to read the instructions so he just puts it all together but robot the robot dog is doing everything backwards so he's running backwards says foo foo instead of woof woof Floppy's trying to play with Robark, Robark, but doesn't listen to the instructions. And Robark is basically knocking the, the dad over. And then Wolf tells Nadim that he has to listen to instructions. And Floppy makes a wish. And Wolf and Nadim are into, they go into a factory. 
So it's basically elves that have been turned into robots and they make toys all day. Nadim stops the production line but then gets caught and Wolf gets taken away. They robotize Wolf and Floppy and Nadim has to find instructions to reverse the, the process of robotization. Nadim makes it work and then Nadim shows the boss that the machines work better and faster than the elves. Then Nadim learns that it is important to read instructions and Robark is working properly. Then I watched another episode called The Cream Cake Mystery. So this episode is all about word patterns and rhyming. And the kids are clapping and trying to do a rhyme. So the class have to make a, a rhyming rap and perform in front of the class or perform in front of the school in assembly. And Chip doesn't feel too confident about it. Then there's basically a flopper of oh, the dog. What's, what's the dog called? Flopper, flipper, flapper. Floppy, floppy. He, the interlude with him rhyming. Nadim's trying to help, but there's no such luck. Chip and Nadim, they're at, so the wish is there. They wish something. The dog wishes for something or another. They end up at a police station and they have to investigate the donut robbery. Chip has to find the robber's rap sheet but police have the wrong person in custody and she gets released. Then I wrote that the robber's rap was somewhat inappropriate. And there's something about lickly, licky, spicky, licky. I want to lick the, yeah, it was something like that. It was, yeah, it didn't sound right. Yeah, it, it, it ain't sound right. That's all I'm gonna say. It didn't sound right. Nadim gets arrested because everyone thinks it's him. But Chip has to prove otherwise, and he has to work out the rhyming bit where he's saying that the, the, the robber basically says what he's going to steal next. Chip finally works it out, and it, the robber wants to steal cake. They set a trap for the robber, and it was the police chief all along. And Chip is rapping about Flapper the dog. or the Why can't I get the dog's name right? Floppy. Damn it, I can't get the dog name right. What's his dog's name? Floppy, floppy. Floppy, yeah. I wrote flipper, floppy, floppy disc. Yeah, so he's rapping about the dog. And then Biff and Chip are playing a rhyming game. And he has to guess Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. Jack go on the limbo stick, right? But uh, apparently they say something else. And Chip does win this game. Please tell me you know about the Limbo song. I know it, as in I know the tune of it, but I don't know the actual nursery rhyme. And then the last episode was called... What was the last episode called? I know I wrote it down. Underwater World. Mum and Dad are shown costumes that they used to wear as kids, but they can't remember why they were wearing it. They want to basically tell stories about how stories begin. So this was the episode is all about storytelling, I'm guessing. Kipper wants to hear the story about the fruits and the costumes, because I think Chip was 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 on a was on a story. Then Biff is distracting Chip and confusing the story for Kipper. So Biff is trying to say, "Look, there was these um, fruits: a banana, a pineapple, and uh, an apple." And Biff would say, "And then a shark comes along, and then this comes along, just basically throwing Chip on a loop." And so the kids end up going underwater and have to run. In, and there are only two fruit characters from Chip's story. And they run away from a shark because that's what um, Biff was saying. Then characters Biff was was thinking up to distract Chip's story were appearing under the sea. There was an alien and now the alien wants to go back home. Then there's a circus act called Fernando. 
and he's furious that Biff sent him to the sea. Speaking of Fernando, apparently ABBA are back. Yeah, yeah, they are, yeah. I think they were playing this song on the radio the other day when I was driving. I'm like, damn, I ain't heard this ABBA song before. And they're like, um, no, this is the new ABBA song. I'm like, what? ABBA are back? Yep, they must have run out of money. No, that's impossible. That's impossible. Was that Mamma Mia film out? They're never, they're never going to go broke, ABBA. I mean, they're just doing this for vibes. I don't think you could ever say ABBA's a bad band, but... To be fair, they play a lot of ABBA on the radio, and most of the times, I don't skip. I actually do like listening to their songs, and it's very it's very soft, it's very chill most of the times. And even like the the, 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 the more iconic songs like Mamma Mia and Dancing Queen, they're, they're quite catchy songs. I, I, I ain't going to be mad when I hear ABBA on the radio. Yeah, I mean, I've stopped listening to radio now. Fell out with... Um... Uh, what's it called? Greatest Hits Radio again. So, Why did you fall out with them? Oh my God, Greatest Hits, Ra- Greatest Hits Radio is like really good now. Now that they're uh, firing all, all cylinders, they play like really like cool soul music and like late night. So if you're like late night driving. I just listen to uh, Amazon music now. Well, now that you've got the capabilities to do that, I don't have the capabilities to do that. So when the, when, when when Do The Hustle comes on, I just got to play that song, haven't I? Because I've got no choice. <laughs> yeah. But mind you, that is a very catchy song. But no, yeah, I, Abba are back. I just thought Fernando, and it just remi- reminded me that Abba are back. You know what, Abba? Get paid, man. Good good for y'all for coming back. Get paid. Get that money. I don't think you need it, but get it anyway. You're getting the bread. And uh, yeah, so Fernando the circus man wants to go. At, he's talking about all the things that he's doing in the circus and that he wants to go back. Biff says that she'll help everyone get back home. She helps the fruits get back to the tropical island. And they're basically envisaging their setting and then they just go back. Floppy's digging but finds nothing. The shark comes along but the the key is shining so they get to go home. Wolf and Wilma come along to play. Biff promises not to mix things up again. So they're all basically telling a story. And so all the kids are taking part. And yeah, they're, they're all taking it in turns to tell each part of their story. And yeah, that was the magic key. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good show. I enjoyed it. I think it was like, you know, nice enough to watch now and, and introduce my my son to it. So yeah, I, I quite liked it. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm being too harsh and too petty, but yeah, obviously the books will hold a very special and dear place to my heart. Yeah, yeah, I think so. If I ever get to having kids, I'll probably, you know, get the books for them as well so that they can read it. So, yeah, this was the magic key is very, very iconic, very important. And I'm glad that we finally got around to doing it. Last but not least, Cyber Chase. And this show came out in January 2002. Some of the things happening in the world. The Open Skies Mutual Surveillance Treaty, initially signed in 1992, officially enters into force. The euro is officially introduced in the eurozone countries. The former currencies of all the countries that use the euro cease to be legal tender by the end of the month. The Sierra Leone civil war comes to a conclusion with the defeat of the revolutionary United Front by government forces. The Count of Monte Cristo was in the cinemas. And Get the Party Started by Pink was in the charts. Yeah, I think this was like when Pink left her R&B 
to become a uh, pop singer. But yeah, yeah, Pink Pink was very, very R&B. Very, very, but yeah, whatever. Cyber Chase now. So this is a show about three kids, Jackie, Matt, and Inez. They accidentally allow the hacker access to Motherboard, who's the supreme ruler of cyberspace. As she becomes severely weakened by a virus, the kids are then brought onto cyberspace and they join forces with Digit. Yeah, so it's all about Motherboard, the brain of the giant computer. She can oversee all of cyberspace. She has a technician, computer scientist, Dr. Marbles. And cyberspace consists of planet-like bodies called cybersites. And they're based on themes such as ancient Egypt, the American Old West, Greek mythology and amusement parks. The Cyber Squad travels to many of these locations in order to protect cyberspace hacker. Each inhabited cybersite has their own type of cyber citizen. They are meant to represent the diversity of websites on the internet and reflect the many ecosystems and neighborhoods of today's world. Each cyberspace episode is followed by Cyberchase for Real, which is a live action educational supplement linking concepts learned in the show to real life experiences. The actors Bianca de Grote and Matthew A. Wilson are in their 30s, but amusingly act in a manner similar to the age of the target audience. For Real was produced by WNET in and around New York City after production is completed on the animated segments. On the site's Common Sense Media, the show was for ages 5 and up and rated 4 out of 5 stars. The reviewer, Jolie Herman, commented that the adventures aren't scary or violent or inappropriate, but require fortitude and brain power. Proposed discussion points sprouting from the series include can your child take the skills learned in each episode and figure out how to apply it to everyday life? Harmon noted that the only downside was that the adventures did not take place in the real world, but added that the for real segment solved this problem. The show was given a rating of three out of five smiley faces under the good stuff section. Kerry Bryson of about.com gave the show a rating of four out of five stars. Bryson noted that the series explanation of simple mathematical ideas are usually explained well and woven throughout the story in a fun and interesting way. The review commended the series for its accessibility. Children can easily learn from the example in the cartoon story and praised the cyber chase for real segment that followed each episode, citing an example from the series using codes. Bryson explained how the show could be used to expand upon the curriculum. Not only did her five-year-old learn about codes, but she also got in a ton of spelling practice. Bryson commended the series educationally, Cyber Chase delivers. And it was nominated for five daytime Emmys and one in 2007 in the Outstanding Broadband Program category. Cyber Chase also won a Sin Golden Eagle in 2006. Some of the characters, there was Matt, who is an 11-year-old boy who likes skateboards and collecting things. He's impulsive, impatient, tells jokes, and has a great interest in sports. Jackie is an 11-year-old girl who loves to keep things neat and organized in order to figure things out. Inez is a girl who has excellent vocabulary and knows a large collection of quotes for which others often tease her for. There's Digit Laboid, or nicknamed Dig. He's a cybrid, which is a portmanteau of cyborg and bird, who works for Motherboard and is the kid's best friend. He and the kids protect cyber 
cyberspace and motherboard from Hacker. And Hacker, who's also known as The Hacker, is the main antagonist of the series and the mad scientist bent on taking over and creating ultimate chaos for cyberspace. But he's always thwarted by the cyber squad. But yeah, so Motherboard, as I was saying before, is the brain uh, is the brain of the giant computer system that oversees all of cyberspace. Her technician, computer scientist Dr. Marbles, kept her functioning properly. Dr. Marbles created Hacker as an assistant, but Hacker turned against the Motherboard. Digit was Hacker's assistant and witnessed him stealing the encrypted chip. And after Dr. Marbles drained Hacker's battery and banished him into the northern frontier, Digit was able to escape from Hacker's grasp. Eventually, Hacker was able to find a way to recharge himself, build, buzz, and delete, and form a plan to launch a virus that would attack Motherboard. And yeah, that was how that kind of came about. And yeah, talk about Cyberchase. Another show that I hadn't seen before. I thought there were some really cool um, like lessons in this, um, but I thought it was way too long. Draggy, really, really draggy. I'm going to have to disagree on that one. I initially was on the thing thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to like this show. But then as I kind of went on and watched it, I really, really liked it. And I did not find myself clock watching at all. Maybe because I, I only watched the one episode, but maybe maybe I didn't watch enough, but it was... Yeah, it was. I was done with the one episode anyway. So, no, I thought I thought this was really, really good, really educational. One thing I appreciated was that you know how there's just three kids, and you're just thinking, oh, they're friends or whatever. They weren't friends. Yeah, yeah, they were thrust they were together. Just three random kids. So I appreciated that very, very much. It's like I don't know you kids from Adam, and obviously Inez is like significantly younger than Jackie and Matt. So it was yeah, three kids thrust together, and there's so much to learn in 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 all of the episodes, which I I thought was fantastic. I did like to, I did like the importance set on the skills and the uh, the way you know like because the one that I was watching was Lost My Marvels, which I believe was the first one, which is all about map reading and you know how to read a map, why it's important to read a map, how to navigate yourself, you know if you're if you're if you don't know where you are. You know, I I, th- I think it was really, really, really good skills. I just think it was a tad lot too long. I say that, but I I never watched the for real segments. I I I I I I stopped. See, I did, I did over, watch them. Yeah, and I didn't watch it. Maybe maybe that's why it didn't it didn't feel that long to me. But no, it was one of those things where I thought the runtime just for the show itself was just about right. Which is what, around 18 minutes, 17, 18 minutes? It was about, yeah, about maybe 20, 21. And then you include the for real segment, which was about another three, four minutes. I think in total, it was about 25, 26 minutes. And okay, maybe it might be a little bit too long. But when I was watching the actual episode, I didn't find myself clock watching one single bit. And I, I was learning so much. I'd never heard of this. I'd never seen it. For first impressions, this was... This was outstanding. This was really, really good, from in my opinion. Because it kind of reminded me of the show reboot, right? With the um, all about the computer stuff inside, and you know, and it's really interesting and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it was just a tad too long. I think that's what all it was. Right. Let's go into episodes. You can talk about lost my marbles. So lost my marbles. Um, the baddie boss, um, who was called Mister Hacker, 
Um, As you said, the sorry, the episode was all about geometry and navigation and using a map. Yeah. So Mr. Hacker was looking at kids and they said that they're key to his plan and and his plan is to rule cyberspace. And first they need to get rid of Motherboard. And Motherboard's being upgraded, who's like the Zordon. Uh, and I'm sure everyone knows who Zordon is. The Zordon of uh, this little world. She's been upgraded. The firewall's down because um, because of the upgrade. And, and whilst that's the hacker gets in, um, the firewall is up, but she's in a bad way. And Motherboard's in a bad way. Hacker... I didn't, I didn't write how this happened, but Hacker's got Dr. He kidnaps Dr. Marbles. And Jackie, Matt, and Ennis are the three kids that you explained earlier. They're just look, they're kind of playing this game. Uh, sorry, no, they're not playing a the game. They're looking at a map of, of a place where to go, like an electronic map. And they kind of, Motherboard pops up on the screen and she says, like, oh, we need, we need your help to save cyberspace and stuff like that. So they take them into cyberspace. Digit greets them and tells them what's up. And uh, they take a transportal to go to go to Dr. Marble's tracker location island. And then the kids are looking at landmarks to map the location. They have a map of it. And they've got like, you have to find like uh, landmarks to, um, to to find out where they are. Um, and then this is where I wrote, this show doesn't kind of know what it is. I think I think it was kind of like a real kid show, but then it's kind of like got older kids stuff in it. And anyway, that's, that's by the way. So they, they basically... Um, end up finding their location by looking at the map and checking the, the things and, and doing navigation of like grids and stuff like that on the map which is pretty cool um they eventually find a uh a bridge and they're going to cross the bridge to get to uh dr marbles and the, the the baddies knock it down the hackers hacker comes and captures all the kids then it's kind of like this uh, kind of earthquakes uh, and it buries all the bad guys and the goodies don't get buried and they kind of run off, Dr. Marbles and all. Uh, they need to install the file to Motherboard and they try to get off the island, but there's only one transport and there's only for one person. So Doc has to go alone to fix Motherboard whilst they try to escape. Motherboard puts three locations on a map and they have to choose the quickest way off the island. So like one of them is like the shortest distance, but it's there's um, the steepest climb. So that'll be slower. There's one that has like obstacles in the way that they can't pass. So that's unless and no goes. He has to go for the furthest one away, but that's actually going to be the quickest one. And the kids have to work that out. They take the rapids to get there, but the baddies are chasing them in the ship. But they get to the portal in time and the baddies mad about it. Um, so they're back in the normal place and they agreed to help motherboard in the future. So size the real for real segment, there's a girl in the zoo and she's asking for directions. She says, No, nah, I don't need a map, I'll find my way. She ends up getting lost, comes back and gets a map and then finds her way to the gorilla. Cool. So I watched an episode from season five called The Flying Paralinis. So this is all about parallelograms. So obviously, if you know what a parallelogram is, I think it's basically a four-sided shape that has like the top and bottoms are the same size and the two sides are same side. So parallel sides are the same. So yeah, Hacker is chasing after the kids. Jackie gets caught and she's placed up on Mount Way Up There. That's the mountain called. It's called Mount Way Up There. Hacker wants the network interface in uh, as, a, as a trade for Jackie. Motherboard tells them that they that um, Inez and Matt have to go and find Diamond Joe in Puddleville. They meet someone called Teeny Weenie, and she knows stuff, and she's taking them to Parallelo Land. And Jackie's trying to figure out how she can get away. She calls the hacker and says she wants company, but the hacker sends Delete and the other henchman, I can't remember his name, 
there's lots of squares and rectangles in parallel land and they're all related and like i said yeah top and bottom left and right all the same size but they're not allowed to lean and they're not allowed to tilt obviously if you're a square and you lean and you tilt and you turn into uh, a diamond shape or um not trapezium but um something of that of that nature then teeny weeny wants to help them find diamond joe the henchmen are grown tired of jackie and basically jackie's just chewing their ears out and she's complaining the others end up getting trapped by diamond joe and he's he he likes that tweeny was um tilting and leaning because in in um parallel land teeny weeny and all the others are not allowed to tilt and they're not allowed to basically play about diamond joe gets spooked at the thought of the hacker and doesn't want to bring chaos into cyberspace like last time and he tells him a story about how parallelograms used to perform in cyberspace and they were successful they used their tilting talent to save the hacker without knowing who he is and they vowed to never help again after that incident because they got mugged off teeny weeny is going to help as she wants to help regardless and diamond joe agrees jackie's getting annoyed and the hacker is taunting her the parallelograms agree to save jackie and cyberspace hacker agrees to the flying parallelis performing to keep the to keep jackie quiet they're all tilting and stretching and they save jackie just in time and the hacker gets stuck on mount way up there and then the Paralinis are proud about who they are. And the last episode I watched was called Journey of a Thousand Food Miles. So the kids are getting excited because a food critic called Bon Appetit is coming to town. They're doing some shopping for Digit as he's the one cooking and, and, it, and it's his restaurant. Digit wants cherries, but there's none left. So Jackie and Inez are going to the cherry orchard. And Matt wants to help Digit in the restaurant because obviously Digit is nervous about Bon Appetit coming to the restaurant. Cherry, the cherry orchard man called Farmer Fang. And he's saying that the cherries are gone and that the cherries are at the processing plant. Inez and Jackie go to the processing plant. But then they're told that the cherries are at the packaging center in Factoria. And they have to get a plane to go there. Then Digit is still anxious about Bon Appetit and he still doesn't have cherries. Then they're told that the cherries are at Castle Blanca and it's not at the factory anymore. The henchmen are trying to find out about the cherry recipe because um, Hacker wants it. And Inez and Jackie are going back to the same place and they're told that the cherries are now at a redistribution center. Hacker is not happy that he still doesn't have the recipe. So he's basically setting up a mobile shop to try and compete. Then they're going after the cherries because it's in some ghoul's van or something like that. Digit is like getting really, really nervous and they're learning about how far food has to travel. Jackie falls on a box and it's the cherries, but realizes that the hacker is responsible and has taken all of the cherries or the ones that, 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 that weren't at the uh, redistribution center. We know that hacker takes the cherries for himself to make his own dessert. Digit is devastated that the girls got there too late. But Inez and Jackie are recounting their footsteps and they're explaining how they went far and wide to look for cherries. They basically have traveled 1100 cyber miles to look for cherries. And Digit is grateful that they tried so hard. So Digit decides to go with another fruit 
So he uses a pear and he comes up with a new dessert called Digit's Pear Paradise. Bon Appetit is here and she loves the food and the dessert. Hacker wants the food, cricket, food critic to try his food, but she hates it and tells everybody to go to Digit's place. And the place is packed to the rafters. And that was the end of that episode. So now we have to choose between Cyber Chase and the Magic Key. Magic Key first every time. Not even close. Cyber Chase was not for me. Plus it's a Magic Key, man. That's that's a tough one for anyone to come up against. You say that, but I'm going to go with Cyber Chase. Because I was very, very surprised at how much I liked it. I learned an incredible amount of stuff. I learned all about parallelograms once again. Because <laughs> I had totally yeah. forgotten. I think it's been 25 years since I heard the word parallelogram. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show how not useful it is, though, right? It's very useful. Now that I know that if uh, a shape has um, parallel sides that are the same size, then it's a parallelogram. It's very, very important, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, we you went 25 par- years without it. We use we use parallelograms in everywhere we go. Squares, rectangles, <laughs> you name it. But um, yeah, it, that also the whole stuff about the maps and the navigation and the grid stuff, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, what else? Yeah, about the, the idea of how food travels and how long you get to travel. I thought all of that was was, was outstanding and I really, really liked it. And I've got to give credit where credit's due, man. Like this show, I, I wasn't expecting to pick it over the magic key, but that's that's sometimes the uh, the twist and the the surprise that you can get on yesterday's capers. Yeah, that's one of the things I liked about yesterday's capers is that sometimes it gives you a bit of sweet sting, sometimes it surprises you, loads of different things. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Cyber Chase, initially when I was watching the first five minutes, I thought, I'm going to hate this show. I'm going to hate this show so much. But then I end up watching it and I thought this was really, really good and I've really enjoyed it. And you know what? All three shows today, particularly in this month of like education and getting back to school, I definitely recommend you go out of your way to watch all three shows today. Absolutely, go and watch it. And also, I will say, go and watch Schoolhouse Rock. If you want your kids to like learn stuff in, in, a, in a really, really short amount of time, two, three minutes, Go and find Schoolhouse Rock. Honestly, that that show is amazing and incredible, particularly for UK listeners. Go out of your way to watch Schoolhouse Rock. And on that bombshell, I'm going to bring this episode to an end. Warm welcome to listeners from Ethiopia. Ethiopia? Yes, Ethiopia. Listening to my podcast. So uh, welcome, my Ethiopian friends. And... uh, do enjoy yesterday's capers. You've got plenty of other episodes to uh, sink your teeth into. So go out of your way and watch that. And I have a feeling that by the end of the year, the United States is going to close the gap with the UK in terms of listeners. Do you reckon? I think there's like a surge of like American listeners. Like Americans are coming through, man. Honestly, thank you so much, American listeners, for listening to two Brits talking about cartoons and the like and uh honestly yeah keep keep it up and come on uk you lot are slacking boy 
Home team is slacking. You guys need to up it. You need to up the ante, UK. <laughs> I even Germany's like the numbers in Germany are just incredible. I didn't expect to see huge numbers in Germany as well. Russia, I've seen like a an upsurge as well. So uh thank you very much to people listening in Russia. Appreciate y'all. And uh yeah, look, wherever you are around the world. I don't care where you are. If you're listening to my podcast, I thank each and every one of you. So, uh, yeah, Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. Um, all around the world, whatever podcast platform you use, you should be able to find us on there. We're on the socials. On Instagram, it's Yesterday's Capers 1. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. YouTube.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. Facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. You can find us on all of those things there. So um, give us a listen. And you can find me on the socials. On Instagram, it's Abdullah underscore Molim. On uh, Twitter, it's Abdullah Molim, all one word. Give me a holler, give me a shout, and join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers.